Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse Ace. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse Ace and Kate will break it down for you now. Hey, Kate. Yeah. You might like. What? Numbers. You know what I like? What do you like? Lists. Lists. And wow, if we combined our two likes together, we'd have numbered lists. Whoa. Right? We could get statistics. I hate statistics. Really? I love statistics. Well, I like them if they're like a bar graph form or a pie. I like a good pie. I just like pie. Yeah, I like pie. Only apple. Really? Yeah. Not pecan? Nah. Really? Nah. I don't think you heard me. I said pecan. Yeah, I know. I think that's the thing you I actually hear. like cake more than pie, though. I agree. So if only well, we could related. have a numbered list of cakes. Ooh. <laughs> a cake list. I feel like we're getting off track here. What? Oh, maybe. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, well, and before we get into why we like lists of numbers, can, uh, who, who, who are you? I am Kate. I am Betsy. You are Fuse number eight. I am that too. Yes. Yes. I go by many names. I go by Kate. Father of lies. <laughs> That's one of them. Uh, yes, you go by Kate. And uh, this is a podcast called Fuse 8 and Kate. Yep. And we talk about children's books mm-hmm. and picture books. Mm-hmm. And we determine if they're classicy classics. Or crappity crap craps. Beautifully put. <laughs> Thank you. Love it. And we have here, you made a list. A numbered list. A numbered list. Is, uh, it's sort of, it hold, you gotta see this list, people. I may have to put this on my blog. Um, because she color-coded it so that it shows the average uh, votes that each one of the books we've done so far receives. And in black are the ones that are um, above a five, so they're considered classics. And then red is what is below. Uh, yes, so you, you were looking at what our top bad books were yeah so what what were those there so well out of the so we've done 30 classics and 14 not classics okay we need to up our not classic i agree okay i'll I'll work on that i'd like to hate more stuff please okay all right all right so the number one worst book we've said is the berenstein bears and the bully uh wait that was our number one worst yeah okay that got a one i'm I'm not gonna contest that okay uh number two was little black sambo yeah i'm amazed that made it above berenstein bears and the bully but yes okay good Uh, yes third worst book is love you forever agreed again third feel so bad okay yes and then a tie for fourth and fifth was tiki tiki tambo Uh Mm uh-huh and if i ran the zoo so basically anything that's racist anything that's got racist content yeah does real well on the old not a classic list yeah all right you want to hear what's what's a classic Uh uh-huh all right so i numbered these as well uh so the top vote getter of all time between the two of us was the very hungry caterpillar i stand by that one i do too even though it was our only it was like our fourth podcast we ever did i still feel that we, we made a good choice on that one yep number two and this is a big a bit of a shocker uh why mosquitoes buzz in people's ears that's a great book it is a great book i just wouldn't have thought it would be number two but it uh, most certainly I is think maybe if we do more books yeah yeah that might go down it may it may well and number three was lon popo um, that's a good one it is a good one and then four was heather has two mommies very good one yep and then appropriate number, for pride Month. it is and five was a snowy day 
And then six was a tie between Mafaro's Beautiful Daughters and the story of Ferdinand. Now, that was a huh. bit of a surprise there. So but, really uh, nothing in common with classics. And racism and <laughs> yeah connects all the well, crappy and I'm, books. <laughs> I'm, I'm very pleased with how uh, how lovely and diverse our, our, our top books are. Yeah. And uh, how lovely and, and racist our our, our, well, our lesson. Except for Berenstein Bears isn't really racist. It's no, just, it's just bad. It's just well, a, and and neither is is uh, Love You Forever for that matter. Right. I mean, you could throw some in there if you wanted to, but yeah. it it wouldn't really fit. No. Uh, no. It'd just be no. awkward. It would be super awkward. I mean, awkward. they're already awkward. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of awkward, today's book, um, which is not awkward. So oh. I think, I I understand we need to be doing more not a classics. Um, yeah. And maybe you will feel that today uh, fits that category. But I wanted you to have a break from Bratz. Thank you. Yes, because you've had a lot of, and, 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 and here's my question to you. What is the opposite of brattiness? Um, cute. True friendship. What? True friendship. No. Yes. No, cutie. That's what you I wanna, said. I, I heard it with your own ears. Cutie-dee-dee. It's on the record. Um, and But you know what? I think this would count, too, oh. because it is kind of cute. Um, Fwens. Fwendy-wendies. Uh, or as one would like to say, uh, you know, Frog and Toad. Frog and Toad are friends. They are friends. And who's that by? Uh, oh, Arnold Lobel? Lobel. Lobel? Arnold Lobel. Lobel. Anyway, <laughs> uh, as you can see, it has a lovely uh, Caldecott Honor sticker on there. So it did it did win an award of its own back in the day. And, uh, yes. Okay. Go read. Cool. While Kate's reading the book, I have a little background information on Frog and Toad there that you might be interested in. Now... At an exhibit at the Eric Carle Museum some years ago, there was a great exhibit called Seeking a State of Grace, The Art of Arnold Lobel. And while I examined the man's art at length, I saw that in the original sketches, uh, Frog and Toad were originally conceived as male and female. Somewhere along the lines, something changed. This seemed very interesting to me. So I did a little research. Um, As you may know, uh, Arnold Lobel was gay. Well, in the... GLBTQ periodical Christopher Street in 1981, author Christopher Bram wrote in the movie, if they made a movie of this, Toad would be played by Woody Allen, Frog by Gerard Depardieu. Sure. In moving on, he talks, you know, and there are sketches of them both as female, but Bram says he sort of eschews the interpretation that they have to be gay because he points out that it's, it's really about friendship. Although Frog and Toad are more consistently loyal and kind than the children I remember or know, the fervor of their relationship rings true for all childhood friendships. Such friendships are our first opportunity to connect with someone to whom we are not bound by authority or physical need. They don't always make up an intensity for what they lack in duration, but perhaps they serve as half-forgotten models for our relationships with people when we grow older, whether as friends, spouses, or lovers. Aww. And we're back. Yes. Having, you have barricaded us in the room to keep your cat out. Yes. Yes. That like, is effective. Like you do. I don't think we'll ever get out, but it's... What are you talking about? There's a picture frame, a book, a pillowcase, and a little box that uh, it makes you barricade. perfect cat defense. <laughs> Wonderful. So, frog and toad, eh? Yeah. Hey, what, eh? So, what is the difference between a frog and a toad? One is green and one is brown. That's it? No. 
There are many differences. <laughs> many, many differences. Because that's all I really got was the difference between the two. Is One is big and one is small. One is brown and one is green. In our first house growing up, we had toads in the backyard. I used to catch them as a child. Really? They'd pee on your hand if you caught them. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't and they, stop me. <laughs> and they hibernate? Uh, but so do frogs. They both hibernate. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I did not know that. Oh, yes, yes. They burrow into the mud... Uh, and then that's why people thought uh, that they spontaneously erupted out of the mud in, in the olden days, because that's where they would come out of. But they buried themselves in there, so. I'm learning things. Yeah, this, this is, is an informal, This is a teaching book. It's a teaching book. It's like, STEM-friendly. Like, the, uh, like the, the very first story, Spring, teaches you to just lie to your friends. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, it does. I have, uh, yes. I have, I wrote down morals for every single oh, did you? story here. So the, yes. mor the moral of the story, Spring, is lie to your friends. Well, he never gets caught, to be fair. That we know of. That we know of, on the page, Because yeah. I'm pretty sure... Um, Eventually, yeah, that Toad is going to want to know. He's, he's going to go, wait So to explain, minute. folks, this is the story where Frog convinces Toad that it is Spring... By taking his calendar and ripping off the pages until he gets to the it, month that Toad said he would get up. Yeah, it's April. Yeah. And Toad said, wake me up when it's May. He goes back to sleep. So Frog rips off the calendar so that it says May and then says, wake up, it's May. And Toad goes, it is? Yeah. Oh, it is May because the calendar says so. And Let's go it enjoy wouldn't spring. lie to me like my best friend just did. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's screwed up. Now, did you read these books when you were a kid? Yes. You did. Do you remember them at all? Nope. Okay. There are four, people are going to correct me on this, I believe there are four easy reader books. Um, you only read the first one here, um, but so, there are four altogether. So the very first story of the books. First books, yes. First story of the first book. Yes. Lie to your friends. That's correct. Excellent. Yes. Okay. Good. We're on the right team. Next, yeah. next story is called The Story, and, and this is what I don't get. So, Frog is sick, and so Toad says, get into my bed and rest. Yes. Don't get into your own bed. No, and they don't live together. Right. Yeah. But he, ta he takes off his clothes. Well, I just assume that he just, like, dragged his carcass over there, and then his friend's like, dude, I'm not hanging out with you. Get in bed. Into my bed. Well, apparently they're not worried about germs. It's just, it's just odd. It, it, no, it's, it's peculiar because, for one thing, Toad is very tall and... Yeah. I'm sorry. Frog is very tall. Toad is very short. So you, you would, would think, not think that Frog would fit into this right, bed Right, you would well. think that his legs would be, like, sticking out at the end of the bed. Yeah. But they're not. No. Um, he curled right up. And this, I think this is cheating. You can't have a story happen and then just repeat the story... Well, he can. Well, that's what I mean, they he did. He clearly did. That's cheating. When he retells the story of what just happened. Yeah. As it, a story. Yeah. So yeah. because okay, so it frog fills the pages. It does fill the pages. Frog wants to be told a story. Mm -hmm. So Toad like racks his brain by like walking on the porch. He can't think of anything. He stands on his head. He can't think of a story. He throws water on himself. He can't think of a story. He bangs his head against the wall. He still can't think of a story. But Frog is feeling better. And so Toad gets into bed and says, do you know a story? And then Frog just says everything that we just read, uh, that, you know, you walked up and down the porch, you threw water on yourself, you banged your head against the... That's... No. No. You know, I'm kicking myself right now, and the reason for it is, you know how sometimes we do children's stories made horrific? Yeah. There is one for Frog and Toad, and it's this story, 
but it's, it's the most insidious story where Frog is convincing Toad that he doesn't feel well. It's, it's, it's very dark. Very, hmm. very dark. And very well done. But the moral of this story... Yes. Because at the end of Frog telling Toad the story, mm-hmm. uh, Toad doesn't say anything because he's fallen asleep. Right. So the moral of the story is, sleep makes everything better. Well, that's true. Yep. That is true. Yep. I would say there is an alternate uh, possible moral to this. Um, the theory that hitting your head over the self with a hammer, uh, you, you should do it because it feels so good when you stop, is not true because you end up with a headache. It's a phrase, like, you know, a person will say, hey, that's like hitting yourself on the head with a hammer because it feels so good when you stop. Uh-huh. Moving on. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, the next story is a lost button. Oh. Where Toad... I sympathize with Toad so often on these stories. So, Toad... Especially this And one. Frog are walking along... And his feet hurt, and he says, I lost a button. So they retrace their steps to try and find this button. Mm-hmm. And the sparrow says, I found a button. Toad's like, that's not my button. He gets increasingly... Yeah, and then a raccoon creature. finds a button. He's like, that's not my button. Mm-hmm. And frog finds a button. He's like, that's not my button. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually he ends up with a pocket full of weird buttons. Yeah. Comes home, sees that his button is on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, you would think he feels like an idiot takes the mutant buttons and sews them all over his own jacket yeah and then gives his jacket to his friend frog right uh so i guess the moral of this story is never be happy with what you have i'm not so sure i think the moral this was written in 1970 i feel it was very ahead of its time because it wasn't until the 80s that people started sewing buttons all over like, that would have been a very snappy jacket in 85. Why would he give his own jacket to Frog? It's an apology jacket. But it... Frog I, does have one. And I'm surprised that it fits him, too. Um, yes, especially since, as we mentioned before, Toad is a short, kind of muscly little guy. And Frog is a svelte, thinner, taller fellow. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. I'm not sure how that works out, but somehow it do. But then we come to the worst story. Which was that? Oh, and that one always bothered me as a kid. Yeah, this the is swim. awful. The Frog swim. is an awful. Frog awful is friend. terrible in this one. So in this story, Toad is super self conscious. Yeah, and he doesn't want anyone to see him put on his bathing suit when right. they go for a swim. So fair point to Frog. Why does Toad even have a bathing suit? Maybe because he doesn't like his body and he's self-conscious and he wants to cover it up. But even with covering it up, he still doesn't want right. people to see him. He's bathing too. And, uh, and Frog is out there naked and they're all swimming around. And then Toad says, Frog, tell that turtle to go away. I don't want him to see him in my bathing suit. But the turtle, some lizards, a snake, two dragonflies, and a field mouse mm-hmm. all want to see Toad get out of the water. Right. Because they heard that he's going to look funny and they all they all want a good laugh right but the poor field mouse says i have not seen anything funny in a long time (laughs) yes his life is just unending sorrow (laughs) this is the high point what do you have going on field mouse not a lot that's good yeah (laughs) i kind of feel bad but i I do do, i do like the dragonflies because their eyeballs are ginormous compared to the rest of their body yeah they are they're very cartoonish compared to that is weird I mean, compared to, like, the, um, raccoon, you mm-hmm. know, and the sparrow well, and are very realistic. Frog and Toad's pupils are horizontal, a thing that you never, ever see in a children's book. Oh, yeah. Frogs, Toad's, 
and goats yeah. and octopuses should always have horizontal <laughs> eyeballs, but you know, pupils in their eyeballs, but they never do because it looks too weird. This is the only series where they consistently mm-hmm. are horizontal and you're not weirded out by it for some reason. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. fair play to you, Arnold Lopez. So if we want to make Betsy upset, we just have a cartoon frog and toad with regular looking eyeballs? That's correct. Okay. I would be infuriated. But I do like I would these be filled with plans. rage. This, yeah, would probably no, like be, this would probably be my... Well, actually, no. It would be the uh, the cattails. I do like those. You do, you, do a, you do a tattoo of a cattail? Yeah, a cattail with one dragonfly with these giant eyeballs. <laughs> as long as you work in the dragonfly, I will allow it. Okay. All right. But that dragonfly, not that one. Okay, just to be clear. So, right, so, not the, so at the end of the story, though, so everyone is, you know, wants to see him mm-hmm. go out of the water. He's freezing, and he... Why not... he doesn't just swim to another part, but I guess his clothes are back there, so he yeah, can't really so he'd have to, yeah. yeah, so... Yeah, it'd be a whole thing. So he ends up having to get out of the water, and it says, the turtle left, the lizards left, the snake left, the field mouse left, and frog I know, it's laughed. the ultimate, it's the ultimate betrayal. And Toad said, why are you, what are you laughing at? Yeah. And Frog says, I'm laughing at you. Yeah, I mean, it's honest, because, to be fair. Because you do look funny in your bathing suit. Mm-hmm. And Toad says, of course I do. <laughs> he picked up his clothes and went home. The end. Well, to be fair, his expression in the picture is not self-pity. It is, I'm just gonna walk this off. Uh, I don't know. I think he's putting on a brave face, but he's gonna go home and cry. Because the next story has him being sad. Yeah, no, he is super depressed and, in the letter, which is the next story, but, yes. But to get to the moral of, Yeah, uh, what's the moral of that? Uh, be unhappy with how you look. <laughs> That's the moral. I don't know. He looks... Or should the moral be, if your friend is self-conscious, laugh at them. That I That is actually more of the moral, La- yes. Yeah, very much so. Laugh at your friends. And they'll put on a brave face and cry at home. Yeah. But the last story is called The Letter. Mm-hmm. I think they missed an opportunity here. They could have called it Snail Mail. Yeah. Uh, that was yeah. 1970 this book was made. Yeah. There was no such thing as Snail Mail back then. What? In that that would be mail. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mail existed in the 70s. It did, but they didn't call it Snail Mail. What, was, what would be the fast version of that? Well, no, the... It's a, it's a snail that... Well, I know. You, you think they should rename it now? Now that we have snail mail? I mean, it's... it. We've always had snail mail. But we didn't call it snail mail. Snail mail is an old phrase. No! It would... No! Snail mail appeared when we created email. No. Yes! It's no. a post-email term. We might have to look this up. Okay, we're gonna look... If you know, gentle listeners, uh, why don't you email us at... I don't know, what is it? Fusecatedate at gmail.com? Yeah, sounds That's about right. right. All right, sounds about yeah. right. Yeah, okay. So in this story, um, Toad says he's sad because he never gets any letters. I think he's still mourning the fact that everyone laughed at him. <laughs> but so, so hey, but look, Frog's wearing the jacket with the buttons. True. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm telling you, it's right after the swim. And he's, okay. he says that he's sad because this is the time of day mm-hmm. where he never gets any mail. Right. And so Frog decides to go home right Toad a letter, uh-huh. and then he gives it to a snail. Right. Not thinking this one through. Yeah. He's an idiot. Jeez. Yeah. And well, he says... His heart's in the right place. And he says, please take this letter to Toad's house and put it in his mailbox. And the snail says, sure, right away. That mm-hmm. is an adorable snail. It is though. a very... Look at his little happy Wouldn't face. Wouldn't you rather do that as a tattoo? 
Can I have a dragonfly with giant eyeballs and a snail? Yes. Yes, you can. Okay, good. We can make a montage. Okay. All right. So Toad is at home and he's just going to sleep. I mean, this is what happens when you're depressed. You just sleep. That's No, it's true. He's just and he's, in his bed. And he's in bed taking a nap mm-hmm. and he's, because he's sad. He is sad. And he's tired of waiting for the mail. And Frog is like, no, no, I, I think you're going to get Frog's some mail Frog's being like now. super weird. Yeah. And Toad's like, no, I'm not going to get any mail. And Frog's like, Frog's like, no, really, you're going to get mail. And Toad's like, I'm not going to get any mail. Why do you keep saying I'm going to get mail? And Frog's like, well, I, I, I sent you a letter. Dude, why did you ruin the surprise? Like, well, because they just decided to sit there for, I guess, how many days after that? Well, four days later. Four days later. The the snail finally arrives. Right. And he's so smug. Look at how smug that's that it, Oh, yeah, he is. He's like, I did it. He's like, I didn't By even sleep. Myself. I didn't even sleep. I just came here straight here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and the moral of the story is... Ruined surprises. I, I would think just don't trust the mail, which I think is a good a good moral that kids can take to what? heart. These days. Mail takes forever, man. Well, if it's delivered by a snail mail. Well, yeah, I don't know who's delivering Because that's why mail. it's called snail mail. Yes, it's, 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 it's <laughs> a new term. New term, I nope. declare. Nope. I declare it. Nope. All right. Anyway, uh, are you Team Toad or are you Team Frog? Uh, Toad, because Frog... Yeah. Is just the rudest, meanest. He tries to make up for it at the end, but then he ruins the surprise and makes himself look good. Like, uh, yeah, I I wrote you a letter because. Yeah. All right, I, I think this. You know, I think Tito. Toad. Arnold Lobel, I think, did a corrective with the following three books, where where clearly Toad is in a much better light in his other subsequent adventures than in this one. But we're only examining this one. Wait, what are you? Team Toad or Team Frog? I'm Team Toad. I always have been. Yeah, Team Toad. Because you know why? In the very first story, okay, so he's trying to get Toad out of bed. Toad does not want to get out of bed. And he uses a word, I use the word that is maybe my favorite word in any children's book of all time. Uh, blah. You know, when I read that, I really wanted him to say, bah humbug. I keep reading as blurred. (laughs) I keep it, blurred, blurred, blurred. There's a, and I love it because it's the first example of him also just like going crazy with the, um, oh, what's the word for it when you say something's like bigger than it actually is. Um, but in any case, at one point he's like, he, he's put out in the sun. He's like, help, I cannot see anything, um, which I love. There's a different story, not in this book, but it's a future frog and toad where um, frog is forcing toad to go uh, outside in the winter and he's putting winter clothes on him. And Toad screams out, help, my best friend is trying to kill me. <laughs> Which is, again, Well, if they're supposed line. to be hibernating, yeah, maybe Yeah, no, it could be. It could kind of be. Could oh, kind of be. and for the record, according to Wikipedia, mm. um, it says, uh, as far as the phrase uh, snail mail, uh-huh. uh, it says here, it's also known more neutrally as paper mail, postal mail, land mail, or simply mail and post. Right. An earlier term of the same type is surface mail, coined re- re- retrospectively after the development of air mail. This happened between the 1970s and the mm-hmm. 1990s. Sure, but snail mail as a term is a modern term, post-internet. The term snail mail appears as early as 1942. What? In the headline of a news article about slow mail delivery. The oh. term also appears as a subheadline in a 19. 19- 51 news article. I demand a retrial. Done and what done. The, what? Wikipedia! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I can see the point. 
reluctantly. I'm just saying, they missed an opportunity. All right, fine. Instead of calling it, what is it, the letter or something? Well, maybe it would have been Come too on. on the nose. It would have been a nice little, like, hey, parents, do you like this funny pun, you know? Kids wouldn't have gotten it, but... Oh, yeah, but that's kind of a Shrek way of doing it. I mean, I don't know. They didn't have to do it. I mean, it would have worked just because it's an easy reader mm -hmm. and uh, snail counts. And male. And male. They're both in the story. They are actually both in the story. Yeah. That's right. So it came out at number 15 on the top 100 picture books poll. This one? Yeah, well, I think it may or have just been. Frog and it Toad may in have general. been Frog and Toad in general. It's a little. It's hard to calculate when yeah. people write something. They don't always remember which stories are in which Frog and Toad books, and who would? Because they all have names like Days with Frog and Toad. You mm. know, Frog and Toad are friends. You know, good, <laughs> good strong titles, but nothing. Good that you times would... with Frog and Toad. Good times, exactly. <laughs> That's a very different story. Uh, makes me want to think they sing the good, good times theme. Um, so the origin of this story uh, can be found in Anita Lobel's 100 Best Books for Children. Uh, she says that on a summer vacation to Lake Bomosine, which is a great name for a lake, Lobel's children came in with a large, green, shiny frog and two dour and dyspeptic toads. And that years later, Lobel felt that he had been writing at children rather than for them. So he put pen to paper and out came the story about a frog and a toad. Um, not two toads, though. Not two toads. He canned one of them. <laughs> well, and originally they were both, uh, there was a boy and a girl, and then he changed it to two boys at some point. I was going to say, what, there's no female representation here. None. You will not find female representation, I'm trying to think, was the field mice female? No. Um, I was thinking maybe the sparrow, but no. There have been birds. I mean, it could be. I don't but know. even then, they don't ever say the gender exactly. of them. Exactly. So, all those animals could be female. We don't even know. They don't, they don't say he. Just not frog and or toad. That is correct, yes. Um, Lobel himself, uh, he began his career in children's books in the late 1950s as the illustrator of several books of Jewish interest, published by Katav. So there you go. So they are Jewish frogs and Jewish toads? Oh, yes. They, they only eat kosher. So. Little tiny yarmulkes? With little tiny yarmulkes? I'm sure someone, he may have even done a pic, you know, even as I'm saying it, I'm like, he may have done a picture like that at some point. I don't quite recall. Um, there was a claymation show, of Frog and Toad. It's terrifying. Don't look it up. No. Um, <laughs> there was a musical. Uh, it was on Broadway for a little while. Uh, it starred Mark Lynn Baker from the TV show Perfect Strangers. Are you familiar with Perfect Strangers? Nope. That's because you're young. Yep. Uh, he was not bulky. He was the other guy. He played Toad. The reason he did this partly is that his wife was Arnold Lobel's daughter, um, Adrian Lobel. Huh. And I must say, when I was writing my book, Wild Things, X and Mysteries in Children's Literature, and I needed uh, permission to include that picture of the female, I don't know if it was frog or toad, but one of them was female, um, the family was lovely and gave me permissions without any trouble at all. So, sweet, sweet people. Cool. Very nice. Um, but the greatest video of all time, and I'm including the link in the show notes to this, um, was done by Aaron Zenz and his kids for the 92nd Newberry Film Festival, run by James Kennedy, huh. previous co-host on this show. Um, they did a version of a frog and toad story, eh, a frog and toad story that is just a delight. Um, there have been other submissions for 92nd Newberry, including a sort of Amelie version, where I think Frog is a, f a girl and Toad's a boy. Yeah, it was quite the thing. 
quite the thing. That's a thing that exists on the internet. It's a thing that exists <laughs> on the internet, as you do. Um, Kirkus had a great review of it. They said that it was, uh, quote, imperfect friendship, or it wouldn't be true, and most perfectly expressed in their faces. Did you say a perfect or imperfect? Imperfect. They imperfect. called it an imperfect friendship. It, which is, I think is, it, is, it is an imperfect friendship. Yeah, you shouldn't be laughing at your friends if no, they're self-conscious about themselves. No, but they said it wouldn't be true if it, wasn't, if it was perfect. Yeah. Mike, I mean, that's an interesting theory. But you're not teaching good lessons here. Oh, not all books have to teach. <laughs> but this is not a very nice this one. This is teaching them to read. See, this is an I can read book. These books were written to teach children how to read... Much in the same way that a cat and if, in the hat and, would and be. if they pick up the fact that they should laugh at their friends, so be it. I think they see that it's a not good thing to do. Children are very perceptive. They're not going to read Frog and Toad and be like, must do what Frog does in book. I mean, you know, they have free will. This isn't a Calvinist <laughs> version of frogs and toads in nature. I'm just saying, maybe that little silver medal could have been gold if, uh, you know... If I was more on the ball, I could tell you what actually won that year, but I don't know. You could tell, you could make something up. I wouldn't know. I, I, could, I could do that. Yeah. Um, was, it, was it Snugglebutt and the Three Wrenches? How do you know? How did you know that? <laughs> it's my favorite it book. It was by... I've read it. Edwin... What? <laughs> oh, not again! Uh, so uh, I'm going to... Just uh, before we do our ratings, I'll just end on a little sad note. Um, Lobel uh, was diagnosed with AIDS in the spring of 1986. Um, and James Marshall of George and Martha and... Uh, and, and Miss Nelson. Miss Nelson fame uh, gave the eulogy. Oh, um, I know, before he himself would die of AIDS. Um, he said at, in the eulogy, quote, when he learned he had a fatal illness, he tried to convince himself and his friends that perhaps it was, after all, an appropriate time to die. But he soon gave up that notion. He realized there was nothing at all appropriate about a man dying at the height of his creative powers. And then he says, Now that he is gone, there will be books written about him, books that will cover various aspects of his work in greater depth. To date, there has been one single book about the life of Arnold Lobel. I think that should change, and I think someone should write it. But it won't be me. <laughs> Not me. No. Ratings time. La 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 la. Ratings time. Well, looking back at that, at this list of previous books that we've done. So How many have been easy books? Because we have done a couple. Um, we have done Are You My Mother? Hop on Pop, right? Hop on Pop. I think that's it, actually. Go Dog Go. Oh, Go Dog Go. I forgot all about Go Dog Go. You're right. But that's the only three. So this is number four, and it's a little more of a higher reading level because it's, it's split into chapters. Very short chapters, but But I chapters. like the fact that at least they have plots. Like, they do have plots, I yeah. Like that. No, I... it's not a bunch of dogs just running around yeah. having parties and trees. Right. Not or that just... there's anything wrong with that. Saying random words put together. No, yeah, it's yeah. not, yeah, and it's not, it wasn't like Cat in the Hat where it was just Or like Eloise where yeah. she just runs around and doesn't actually do anything. Like, things actually happen here. There's a beginning, middle, and end. A very clear one in a very short amount of time with very few words, but more words than you would find in, in an easy, easy book. So, since I like the fact that you know, there's stories here. The morals are a little off, but, mm. um, I, I mean, and I like the, uh, the illustrations. They, 
Those, those horizontal are... eyeballs that can't go wrong. Right. So, with that in mind, I don't think this is a great book. Mm-hmm. I w- but I think this should be. I think Frog and Toad is a classic. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna give it a six. All right. Pretty good. I'm eight point five. I'm high. Wow. I am high. And the reason is, um, I know just how hard these books are to write. Just in terms of trying to write something this simple with these simple words. With a story that is original. Four stories. Four stories that you have never read anywhere else before. And with memorable characters. Yep. That's so hard. And then I think he does a great job. Um, Even if you disagree with the morals, they're still interesting. um, Which is super, super hard to do in the world of Dick and Jane and all that. Five Um, stories. There are five stories. Are there five? Oh, you're right. There's five stories. You're right. Spring, story, button, swim, swim, ladder. ladder. Yes, you're absolutely right. There's five stories. And uh, I just think they're fun and funny. Uh, I gave extra points for humor, because humor is also somewhat hard. And uh, I like the art, because you can't go wrong with them pupils. So, (laughs) 8.5. So it's a classic. It's a classic. Another classic for the list. Hooray. Hooray, hooray, hooray. Letters. Ooh. We've got letters. Really? We've got somewhat of a couple sort of letters. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know if these count necessarily, but, uh, so Carrie and Marie were our guests uh, last time. Yes, they uh, were lovely. Yes, they were lovely. Lovely ladies. And uh, we continue to talk about Miss Eloise uh, after they, they, they came on. And uh, so Carrie wrote, she says, by the way, when I talked with my mom tonight, she reminded me that her senior prom had been held in the plaza in 1959. I'm now imagining what kind of havoc a preteen Eloise could have wrecked <laughs> on that. And Marie said something like Auntie Mame at Patrick's senior ball, I would imagine. And then we started thinking to ourselves, someone should do a YA novel with a teenage Eloise. Could she run into a teenage Madeline? And you want them to fight, though. No. You want them to fight, fight, Ma- fight, fight, Madeline fight. Would... Madeline's French. Yeah, exactly. She wouldn't fight. She would just be, like, all in black, and she would smoke. She would disdain. She'd smoke, and she'd be like, I She'd don't, say, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about anyone or anything. Life is too boring to participate in. To the Eloise at the plaza, I just say, poo-poo. <laughs> poo-poo, poo-poo. It'd be very interesting. I would write that. No, I wouldn't. I would, <laughs> I would highly encourage someone else to. So... All of you folks out there who are able to write, do that thing. Or just a selection. I would love a selection. I would read that on this podcast. A short story. Yeah. Well, no, just like a paragraph. Okay. Just a paragraph. And I would read that. A super short story. Exactly. (laughs) A super duper short story. Yeah. Like a two minute mystery, but no mystery, just a paragraph. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly like that. So Misty writes in, and uh, that's Misty with an I. And she says, I checked my library's copy of the Absolutely Essential Edition of Eloise uh, from 1999, and the Peter Rabbit comet had been expunged there, too. Uh, And then she put in parentheses, and you'll be gratified to know that the elevator gatefold was indeed ripped, as it almost always is. Uh, Thank you, Misty. Uh, So we know that at least by 1999... It was not cool to insult Peter Rabbit in any form. It's so strange. Uh, We need to go through, like, the old and the new books, like, line by line to see if there's other stuff that has been taken out. You know, I know the guy who may have been the editor at the time, but I have no idea where he is these days. I don't have his email anymore. So if I run into him at an ALA conference or something, 
I'm gonna ask him who did it, why was it done, who approved it. WTF, mate. What? WTF, <laughs> WTF mate. <laughs> exactly. <gasps> Grown-up things we like. Ah. Mm. Yes. Yes. You wanna go first? I do. So I saw myself a little film. Uh, I like to call it Lando. That's not the name of it, because the name is Solo. You're like the one person who's seen it, I think. Yeah, yeah. apparently so. I was a little shocked by that, because... It, it is the first Star Wars movie to tank yeah. for Disney. So I have learned, Yeah. Um, which is very interesting, and there's a whole bunch of reasons for that. Um, probably very good reasons. The fact that it changed directors midway through. The fact that they've released it so close to the last Star Wars film that yeah. was, like, not that long ago. Yeah. The fact that they released it uh, right now at the same time as the Avengers film, you know, there's so many, so many reasons that it's it's not doing well. Um, the fact that people are a little tired of Star Wars at yeah. this point, just in general. Yeah. But if you do see it, if you do care to, it's actually a very fun ride. I much preferred it to Rogue One, which was a humorless, humorless, Oh, yeah. It's, slog of a film. I mean, I mean that's slog, a... Slog, says it, I. It's slog. Okay. Well, right. there was one good thing in, in Rogue One, and it was the, it was the droid. And, uh, and there is a droid in this, too. It's the first female droid uh, that has ever been in. In fact, they are calling her the, uh, the woke droid. Because I, I, oh I'm not calling her that, but people are. Um, she is voiced by the creator of Fleabag, uh, which right there is awesome. Don't know what that is. Uh, you will learn. Okay. And her, her name is L3. She is, she gets all the good lines. Uh, she is, she is um, Lando Calrissian's co-pilot. She, she is his droid. And, uh, and she's a delight. So she is the reason to see the film, if nothing else. Okay. Um, and apparently, not to give anything away, but apparently she is in most of the Star Wars films, but you would not recognize her. Um, you find out why in this film. Okay. So, so if nothing else, uh, come for the Lando, stay stay for the droid. Cool. That's what I say. How about yourself? So, right, so when we did the Eloise podcast, um, the recommendation of Round Planet on Netflix uh, was Yeah, that came up. And so I watched some of that, and that is hilarious. Okay, um, I gotta do that then. But as I was, was looking around on Netflix, I came across... Um, well, with the help of our, uh, that guy who does that thing. No, 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 no. You mean our Brat Corrective Officer? <laughs> yes. That's the one. That guy. Uh-huh. He introduced me to a series, um, called The Toys That Made Us. It's a series where every episode they talk about, uh, classic toys and the history of them. So we watched the Lego episode. Yeah. And it talks about how Lego got started. It actually was a wooden toy company. <laughs> That, uh, you know, as the invention of, you know, plastic toys came about, it, it took advantage of that. And then it was talking about, you know, how the bricks came to be because it didn't always, that, you know, it just used to be stacking blocks that would just fall over because they didn't interlock with each other. Yeah. And then how, you know, things like uh, Star Wars, you know, influenced the sales, whether it be up or down. And it's, it's a really interesting series about the progression of toys like Barbie, Lego. Have they done um, Tinker Toys? Maybe. Because Tinker Toys were an Evanston, Illinois creation. Interesting. In the town that I currently live, so. I don't know. I would not mind. Is this a television show, or what is this? I mean, it's on Netflix. Okay, it's on Netflix. Okay. The Toys That Made Us series. I want want to see that now. Yeah, there you go. Cool. 
You know, what, nice. you know what would be a really bad toy, though? What's that? Frog and Toad. What? Well, I, I think they have toys. Really? Like little action figures? No, they're not like action figurines. No, you can't make them do Where anything. Where you can, like, take off his button jacket. <laughs> you can have, like, a little snail with, like, a little letter attached to it. Maybe you can, like, wind it up. Can I tell you that the snail, the problem, every time you say the snail, I, as I said, I saw the musical, and the snail has a song. And the only part of the song I remember is the part where he goes, I'm the snail with the mail. Da, 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 da. It's it's a very catchy song. It's a really he's, fast song it's for a snail. Fa- well, no, he sings very fast and then he moves very slow. Uh, so he's got this very jaunty... I You gotta hear the soundtrack. It's primo. Okay. All right. I've been Betsy. Okay. Bye. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow Betsy on Twitter at Fuse8. That's Fuse and 8, E-I-G-H-T. Follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Givens Kime, and our Brat Corrective Officer is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Ramsey and Betsy Bird and does not reflect the views of School Library Journal.